everyone, it's Aubrey Bracco with another episode of Odd with Aubrey. In this show, I'll be collecting weirdos and telling their stories. You can find the show and additional content on www.oddwithaubrey.com. The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions of people you'd like me to talk to, you can get in touch with me at oddwithaubrey at gmail.com, on Twitter and Instagram at Aubrey Bracco with no E in my first name, and on Facebook. This week, I'm welcoming Alex Apple, a winner of MTV's Stranded with a Million Dollars. I'm really excited to talk to Alex because like me, he's lived outside, he knows what it's like to starve, and I thought it would be fun to share some of our experiences. So let's go ahead and call up Alex. Alex, uh, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you because we've had similar but different reality television experiences. I was on Survivor, you are on MTV's Stranded with a Million Dollars, so welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk to you, too. I love this past season of Survivor. I've been a lifelong fan. And so it'll be interesting to hear a little bit about your experience as well. Awesome. So just just to start, this podcast is very open format. I just like to talk to people who I think are interesting and hear about their unique journeys. So to start, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Where are you from? What do you do? What kind of person are you? Yeah, so I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. It was was really lucky to get a wonderful education. I was able to go to a great high school that prepared me really well for college, taught me how to write, piqued my interest in a lot of different things. And then when I applied for school, I wanted to sort of get out of Nashville, get out of my bubble. And so I went to TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. And it was there that I sort of continued to cultivate an enjoyment for writing and journalism and politics. I was a political science and journalism student and ended up going into news broadcast and went up to, I wanted to try out another part of the country and move to Vermont of all places. I mean, you think of places Someone from Nashville never thinks that they'll live, and that's Vermont. And then went up and worked for the CBS affiliate up there and spent three years up there. And last year, as you mentioned a little bit, I was on a show called Stranded with a Million Dollars, and it was in the midst of my covering the presidential election, actually. I had been to Iowa and South Carolina. I was actually doing a interview potentially for the show where, you know, they called me and I did a interview and filmed myself answering questions for him while I was in South Carolina covering South Carolina primary. And uh, yeah, it took two, a little two, two months off last year and ended up filming the show called Stranded with a Million Dollars, which aired on MTV and then went back to covering the election. Yeah. And now I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Crazy. Man, that, to go into the middle of nowhere back into the election must have been wild. Well, it was so interesting because, you know, and I'm sure it's like this on almost every reality show, you're so isolated. You know, you don't have your phone. You don't talk to anybody. And so for someone that was so engrossed in the election to go, it was last April and May, and neither Hillary Clinton nor Donald Trump had secured their nomination, but it was close. You know, the whole time I was out there, I was wondering, I wonder what happened. You know, I mean, could something crazy have happened? Has someone come from behind? Um, you know, and then you come back to learn all of this different stuff. And I'm also a sports fan. So, you know, you're cut off from sports and things like that. And it's funny because I'm sure you feel the same way. Occasionally, there'll be like this little small thing that someone will be talking about, and it will have happened last April and May in 2016. And I'll be like, oh, that happened? I had no idea. And it was something that I just never heard about when I came back. No, it's totally true. When we record, uh, we filmed Survivor Game Changers May to July 2016, and so much happened in the world. It was the Pulse nightclub shooting, 
Muhammad Ali died. We figured that out at the family visit. Some of this stuff came out. But I mean, it was totally wild. And just mentioning to you, because you're into the politics, I actually found a coconut that looked like Donald Trump on Survivor this time. (laughs) Yeah, you have to see it. You know how coconuts like the dried husks can look like... Sure. Funky it stuff. Had the hair going that direction. Oh yeah, you you knowing coconuts as I'm sure you do, you probably can envision what I'm talking about. Yeah. Can we talk about your coconut preference for a second? Did you guys eat the coconut that's like growing out of the ground with the soft inside? That was easily my Oh, we called it coconut. cotton candy. Yes, the cotton candy like coconut. Yeah, I developed a love for coconut when I found out it existed like that. Because I don't really like coconut in my regular life. I don't like it on my dessert or anything like that. But the cotton candy coconut definitely made me uh, capable of getting through a few days. Yeah, that's so funny you say that. I always say that the coconut on Survivor's like uh, the Bubba, like Bubba in uh, Forrest Gump when he knows when he talks about all the different <laughs> kinds of shrimp. There's hard coconut. Right. There's jelly coconut, which is my favorite. A lot of people didn't like that. There's, if you get it, I don't know if you guys had skillets or woks out there where you could kind of fry something up. We did a little bit, um, but not a ton. I know that the fried coconut is definitely gives it a little flavor that's nice. Yeah, we call that popcorn. And then you have the heart of palm where you can eat the stalk and then the cotton candy. And then you get the rotten coconuts and they're just terrible. But uh, yeah. how did you how did you decide to apply for the show? Sure. I mean, I've always been a fan of Survivor and I like the social interpersonal aspect of it. Like I'm really interested and I've heard you talk about this in the past that, you know, you're really interested in like people and like watching them and watching how they react to things. That's what I've really enjoyed about Survivor. And one of the things that I've always thought would be fun because you just don't get it watching the show like. You're not out there 24 days. I don't know. In our show, it was 96 hours compressed into like 48 minutes. Yep. So you just don't, you know, realize how much goes on and, and also how little goes on. Exactly. While you're out there. But I, I ended up, I couldn't even tell you what website I was on. What I was honestly doing was watching some popular Survivor cast members casting videos which you make about yourself. And I've always thought that's interesting. Like a three minute video about your life, like even someone that you think has a really interesting life would probably find it hard to boil that down into three minutes. You know, what do you say? How do you be unique and stand out? It's not easy. It can't be. And I came across this casting call. I don't even know what website I was on, but it was untitled survival adventure show. And they didn't want like a full video or anything. They just wanted a basic paragraph about myself and, Um, some basic facts and a headshot. And I guess, you know, being a writer, the paragraph about myself came easily. And uh, they ended up calling me the next day and like four rounds of interviews later, lo and behold, I'm going on on this reality show. And, you know, I I think some people really set out to be on a reality show. That was never me. Um, It was just an opportunity that came into my life. And I figured, geez, I mean, if I'm ever going to do something like this, it's probably going to be now while I'm young. and And it's an opportunity that came across or came along for a reason. So I decided to take advantage of it. No, totally. And I think it's interesting that you have the journalism background because I started in community journalism. I did that from 2006 to 2012. So maybe that's where we share that interest in getting to know people and why they are the way they are. And it's also close to my heart that you were in Vermont because I'm originally from New Hampshire. So. I know, I know. And we, I was in New Hampshire a ton. I got no, just about every corner of that state. And what's the community in New Hampshire that votes first 
ahead of the New Hampshire primary. That's like one of my favorite communities. Uh, Franconia Notch? Yes, yes, yes. Like 13 people in the town, and they vote first, and we all place importance on it like yes. it means anything. But the fact that these 13 people vote first is fascinating to me. Yeah. Anyway, I love New Hampshire. Yeah, that's so funny. I think it's in Coas or Coos County up north, like toward Canada. Yeah, like north, right. Mm-hmm. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's so funny. New Hampshire is like, you know, live free or die. Everyone's so proud of doing whatever they want. Don't tell us what to do. But anyway, I digress. But so it you sound so similar to me where you just you always enjoyed these survival shows and people and challenging yourself. So that's pretty cool. Can you give people who are Survivor fans who haven't seen Stranded with a Million Dollars just a quick overview of how the show works? I know you guys go out there with a million dollars, correct? Yeah, and so I will say this. I mean, with reality TV nowadays, I feel like it's hard to see something new. And of course, I'm a little biased toward the show. I mean, I was hoping that it would do really well, but I feel like the creators of the show did a really good job of giving something that people people something that they hadn't seen before right it wasn't just like a week spinoff of survivor i mean there are elements that are akin to it it really was quite different so what happens is we're put on this island it's in fiji uh, a different island than you guys were on but the same area of the world and we find out that we are literally stranded on the island with a million dollars in cash and every four days we're going to have to journey to a new camp start over start your you know shelter over your food gathering, water sourcing, whatever, over every four days, which is brutal. You're given no supplies, you know, unlike in Survivor where you got sort of like to get on the ship and then you can jump off with these vital elements. The creators of this show decided that we want to put to the question to these all 20-somethings, how much would you pay to survive? So anything that we want once out of every four days, you can buy. Like, if I wanted to buy a Big Mac, I could have. I mean, it would have taken forever for it to get to the island we're on, and it would have tasted terrible. But you can buy any supplies that you need. And there is a list, but everything's crazy expensive. Like, think, like, $30,000 for a flint, $10,000 for a machete. You know, rice is a certain amount. So you have to really ration yourself, and you can only spend the money that you have so far. So it was $100,000 at a time, and then in between, there's challenges, and these things they call temptations, and temptations are really interesting because it's like an opportunity for you and one other person on the show to get afforded a luxury that's not afforded to anyone else, but you've got to spend 15000 of the group's money. So it puts you in all of these scenarios that are so unique. Decide what to buy. We ended up buying a pot. We would buy these 40-ounce jars of peanut butter for $7,500. That's an incredible source of protein. And uh, you basically find out that if you can just last 40 days, the whole show is kind of designed to make you quit. These journeys between camps were brutal. I mean, walking through the ocean, the lake, the swamp, the jungle, you know, was really difficult. Taxing, you've got to carry everything you've got. Right. Let me tell you, when a million dollars, I guess I can, spoiler alert, I, I ended up winning. Um, and making it 40 days. But once you've gathered a million dollars or whatever's left of a million dollars in tens and twenties, that's incredibly heavy. Um, So part of your expenses merely had to be a knapsack, a backpack, something to carry the money just to make it off the island with you, because whatever you made it off the island with, that's what you uh, would get at the end. So it was filmed largely with drones and robotic cameras as well, which gives the show an interesting look. And I think while Survivor is probably a tougher mental game, I, I mean, at least I would guess, and I can't say for sure, I haven't played Survivor, 
I would guess this was a little bit more difficult physically. It sounds so. Um, the weight loss was there just like it was on Survivor, but a little bit more extreme and uh, some crazy things happened. And I guess that makes good TV. You know, it also made for uh, one heck of an experience. That's so wild. So it does, it definitely sounds more physically taxing because I can say even just the marooning on Survivor, carrying the supplies to camp, that was brutal. But you're doing that every four days. I couldn't even walk down to the beach at a certain point. So I can't imagine. You know, and you get like, you stand up too quick and you get that like black, you know, stars that you start seeing. And that's part of, you know, being really, really hungry. So it it was an incredible challenge. And I'll just say one of the things that I, that people have found interesting when I tell them this is, so I lost 22 pounds while I was there. I'm not huge anyway. So 22 pounds is for a guy that's six, six months in is a lot. But, and I thought like my stomach will have shrunk when I got back, but no, like the psychological effect, I guess, of approaching starvation is that my brain like forgot to tell me when I was full and I was eating thousands and thousands of calories a day. So just like I would imagine people are faced with at Ponderosa once they're voted out, you know, I gained the weight back, I think like 24 pounds in 21 days, which is absolutely gross. Like my face got a little pudgy. I was like, I'm supposed to go back on TV. I gotta, I gotta get a hold of this. No, it's tough, and you—it's uncontrollable. What did, what did you crave? It was incredible what I craved. Like, I'm not even a sweet tooth, but I really craved like Oreos. Yeah. And one of the things that we have the medic on the show that like takes care of you. And so after the show was over, we made it to day 40, and this helicopter flies us off the island, and we get to see where we were. It's pretty cool. But I'm just like, land this helicopter and get me a piece of chicken. And they give us this, brown, this you know, bland baked chicken and white rice. But a couple of producers also gave us um, some Oreos and peanut butter, which the medic didn't want because he was like, yo, you can't have any trans fats, you know. You got to stay really healthy. Your stomach won't know how to adapt. Right. Um, but they gave us some Oreos and peanut butter, and I craved that the whole time I was out there. And I, I'm stuck in an alliance the last part of the show with this girl. I love her, Gina. She was a cocktail waitress from San Diego. We couldn't be more different. We became very close friends, and all she did was talk about food. So she was constantly making me hungry. Oh, that's the worst. People could sit there for hours a day. Like Sierra Don Thomas on my second season and Michaela would use the merge paint to make a list of everything they were going to eat when they got home. And I was just like, you need to stop. I don't know how they do that. I mean, I was trying to do anything I could do to not think about it. Oh, no. And they would talk about it all day. But I I was the same as you. It was so weird. I would think that I would crave protein, those healthy things. But for me, it was like ice cream. It was sugar and fat. It was like my body needed the fat back on its bones and the instant gratification of the sugar. And it felt, when I got back from my first season, co-wrong, it felt uncontrollable. Like my weight definitely went super up. And then even the second time, because I was out there 37 days, the second time, I feel like my body's never quite ever going to be the same you still go through like weird phases and you work hard and it feels like it's not quite coming back and a lot of the guys on my first season would talk about how their muscle mass two years later still feels like it will never be the same like Jason on my first season also says like he started losing his hair after Survivor like his body is revolting yeah Yeah, I started working with a trainer and like you know really tried to get you know, your body is like toned, like, you know, like it was. And I, I think you're, you're kind of right. I mean, you are different after that physically. And yeah, I mean, man, what a challenge. And, you know, I think the last 13 days on the show, 
think I had like one meal, one substantial meal. And we were eating, we had to, so on the show, someone steals the pot that we use to cook. And so we were boiling this thing called taro root, which is like a bland potato. Yep. So we couldn't boil anything anymore. And so we started to roast this cassava root, which is similar, but just straight roasting it. And, you know, I would spend like hours a day, like trying to dig this stuff up. And we were extremely, you know, rationed low. I found a couple of papayas and that was it. Oh, I bet in the last 13 days, I lost the majority of that weight. Can you talk a little bit about, you were talking about maybe how the mental part of Survivor might be a little tough, but, or maybe tougher, but I, I'd be interested to hear about the loneliness factor uh, because I mean, I guess you have a tribe out there, so you have people, but just this idea of drones following you around instead of like a camera crew, I think that would make me feel like even more alone. So how did you, what were the feelings you felt out there disconnected? And is there anything even now that you feel is different because you had this experience where maybe you don't trust people as much or do you have anything like that? Well, What I've heard is that compared to another show, the interaction with crew was about 80% less. It's a new show. So they, I don't think the producers had any idea really what to expect. A lot of people left really early. I make this great alliance. We pretty much dominate most of the game. And then two people, including me, me making three, get really sick. We think we made each other sick. One girl has to be lifeless off the island with appendicitis. Just straight up. Appendicitis? Yeah. That's horrible timing. Oh, I mean, you can't you can't think of worse timing. And I mean, I hated it for she's a mom from New Mexico. Her name was Eilish on the show. Some people will know if they watched And another guy gets sick. And so all of a sudden we're in this two two, you know, sort of grinding grudge match the last like half of the show. And so unlike in Survivor, and I think one of the things that I would like more about Survivor is theoretically, if you make it to the end, you're still around a decent number of people. You know, I mean, you make it to like 35. There's still what? six of you there yep whereas the last like 20 days we were there really just the four of us so it does make you the second part of your my answer to your question is i don't think that there's any way to say that it doesn't make you appreciate your blessings in a way that you just can't understand i'm 26 years old and i feel like a lot of young people hear your parents or or adults or mentors say or you'll appreciate that one day you won't take that for granted I feel like until you either grow older or you have an experience like you're almost starving on an island, you don't realize the level to which they mean that, you know, to appreciate the little things in your life, the people in your life, that time is precious. You know, I tell people all the time, one of the things that I learned is the best gift that you can give someone is your time. It is. You know, even like going to lunch, the, the mundane things that you appreciate while you're out there because you don't have them are powerful. Like my girlfriend and I, the, one of the days before I flew out, um, went to eat homemade pretzels at this place that is near us that twist their own pretzels still, old school style. We got some hard broken pretzels and then went to ride this old school railroad train. It was mm. the most mundane, run-of-the-mill day ever. But while I was out there, I thought about man, how much I enjoyed that, how much I appreciated that. Um, and was truly happy. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I take away. I mean, aside from any sort of like having a cool story to tell or any sort of monetary reward is the intrinsic and deep appreciation for your blessings is really powerful and something that I'm very thankful for. And I hope I never lose sight of that. 
um, because, you know, it is a great lesson to learn. And I feel in some ways fortunate that I learned it at a young age, thanks to this crazy experience that was called Stranded. So I hope that I carry that forth. No, I, I had the same experience. My boyfriend jokes that when I first came back from Cambodia from my first season, that he saw me in the airport, he didn't recognize me, and I was clutching this little bag of just the items I had. And I was like, this is my stuff. <laughs> and I, I, the final tribal had been like 24 hours before and I didn't have any time to adjust. But I remember just stepping inside four walls felt like the strangest thing ever. A bizarre, a bizarre ritual to you now. One of the things that you said on the show that really resonated with me is that it does change you going through an experience like that. And like people would kill to be on one of these shows. I get that. We're really, I'm really lucky. You're really lucky to be chosen to get that opportunity. Um, but it does make you look at things differently. Probably changes people in different ways or that sort of experience manifests itself into, you know, different beliefs as you go forth in the world. But it does make you feel differently about things. And, you know, for me, I'm really grateful to, you know, sort of have that perspective. Same. And is, is there anything that when you think back of your experience now that sat, seems really funny in the context of the civilized world or really bizarre to you? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the show was bizarre. The ending of the show was bizarre. The two people that were, you know, my adversaries, I'll be honest, it was sort of me versus other guy. And we each had another person that we were aligned with and he hated me and I didn't really like him. I can get along with a lot of people with guy and I. Um, didn't really get along, and he ends up pooping in the drinking water, thinking that... I saw that. Thinking that it would basically make us, you know, dehydrate and have to leave, have to flare out of the game. What he didn't realize is that when you're on the beach and the water recedes in the, in the afternoon, and I don't know if you guys know this or, or use this, you guys have a well, which is helpful, but when the water recedes, there's these little ripples that come up through the sand, and you would think that that's salt water, and some of them are. But some of them are also fresh water that are little ripples that you can stick. I had a half a coconut cup, and I'd stick it in the ground and lift it up and drink it. And there's the tide recedes, and you're on this giant beach. There's probably dozens of these across um, that you can find. And so he really ended up only poisoning his own water because he didn't realize that you could stick your coconut in these streams. But the tide recedes, and it's just these little ripples that come up through the sand. I mean, that was totally bizarre, and it's a level of gameplay that I've I mean, I personally wouldn't have taken it there, but yeah, he pooped in the water. So yeah. uh, a pretty brutal uh, strategy. I was going to ask, um, as far as alliances, how did how does how do alliances work in the context of Stranded? So it's you want to get people out so you get the most money at the end? Yes, right. So the whole scenario okay. is I kind of want to force you out. I get more money at the end. But if you and I both make it, we split whatever's left. So I played it, I think because I watched Survivor, I played it a little bit like Survivor. So the first thing I did was create an alliance. Yep. And so when you it comes to buying something, majority has to rule. So if there's six of you left, four people have to vote for you to buy something. Gotcha. So I wanted to control how the money was spent. For one, controlling how the money is spent behooves you in the end, but also ensures that you get the resources that you need. And my philosophy was you can't save $10,000 to lose your shot at a million or a couple hundred thousand, whatever. It doesn't make sense for you to starve yourself and ended up having to go home because you didn't buy the $7,500 peanut butter when you had the chance. 
So I got in, I got in an alliance, and we dominated most of the game, and we would have dominated the whole game because there's no direct voting off. They can't really pick off your alliance unless something happens to it. Unfortunately, two people got sick, and it ended up being um, a real slog to the end on two versus two. So we didn't vote for anything. You know, we couldn't get up, we couldn't get to an agreement, and one side didn't want to spend any money, and they were going to try to force us out, and we didn't buy anything the last few weeks. So that was an interesting element, and I saw the value of an alliance. And the guy that was sort of my adversary thought that alliances were ridiculous and he was just going to, you know, sort of impose on people what he wanted and hoped that people would go along with it. And very few did. But I guess in his world, he kind of got lucky that two people in the alliance left and got sick and had to leave. And, and then finally they had, you know, a 50 percent share of the power, so to speak. The medevacs can totally change a game. I know that. <laughs> God, isn't that the truth? So it sounds like you went in not really knowing exactly what you were getting into when you adopted a survivor strategy. Yeah, certainly not. I mean, and you didn't know how they were going to twist the game, you know, to like, for example, when people first found out that they had put in a hidden immunity idol on survivor, nobody knew that that was coming. So we had no idea how they were going to twist the game, no sort of precedent to go off of. And so I was just holding on for dear life, hoping that the strategy that I was forging would would pay off in the end. So how much money did you make in the end? So we ended up making, four of us ended up making it 40 days. And so there was 600 and something thousand um, left, essentially to what amounts to like 128,000. And it could have been a lot more than that. I mean, there was certainly opportunities where, you know, the money became a tool to sort of, I don't even know, advance your gameplay. Like, I'll just give you an example. At one point in the show, I'm just, I'm ripping. It's fake currency. You're not committing a federal crime. It's prop money, but it represents your prize. Ripping up part of the prize because the two versus two scenario comes about and um, these people say, these people have stolen the pot that we use to drink water and and cook. So, I mean, it's like, uh, I'm going to try to starve you out and get you out for dehydration sort of thing. And so they're playing hardball and I realized that if we get all of the money in our shelter, Gina and I, so we, I get all the money in our shelter, and I present them with this scenario where they can either buy us what amounted to $20,000 worth of a pot, like some rice, and a, maybe it was a jar of peanut butter. I don't remember what it was. $20,000 worth of stuff. And I said, you can buy us that, or we'll rip 60000 So it's two bad options. I get that for them. It'd be like me coming up to you and saying, hey, Aubrey, can I have – two dollars either you give me two dollars or i'll take six you would think think gee these are bad options for me but i'm gonna give this guy two dollars so it's sort of it's that sort of scenario that i presented and they said no and so that's the sort of thing that i mean did i want to rip money absolutely not right but you're presented with this quandary then it's like pulling a gun out of a knife fight so to speak you know once you pull it out you can't really put it back in its holster um you got to sort of follow through with your threat. Otherwise, when you negotiate moving forth, you have no bargaining power because nobody believes you. So yeah, we went through and ended up ripping up part of this prop money that we had out there with us. And yeah, it was just, uh, it was certainly had some different elements of the game than Survivor, but it was totally unforeseen. And I think even the producers will tell you, we had no idea how the cast was going to react. And we just pretty much let what happened play out. Yeah, I'm sure that made some great TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my uh, strategy certainly was not universally loved. You know, I didn't go out there necessarily to be loved. I was just out there trying my best, and it ended up working for me. So, I mean, and it ended up working for my teammate, Gian. So, in the end, I'm I'm just happy about that. 
Yeah, I saw you were a little bit controversial in kind of how you're explaining. What was the reaction? Did you have a lot a lot of like social media input or input from family and friends? What was that watching experience like for you? Well, I think family and friends sort of were sympathetic to what was going on. I mean, if you watch me play this game, I think you certainly have a level of, I kind of feel sorry for this guy. He's having a real hard time at some point. And they know they know what I'm like. And, and so family and friends, uh, they didn't think anything of it. Social media-wise, I mean, at least for a couple of weeks, no, I got a lot of, of hate from fans. I mean, there were a lot of people, and I left the comments up on my Instagram and Twitter and things like that. And that, quite frankly, it couldn't bother me less. It may bother some other people. I'm kind of used to it as a journalist anyway. You're not going to be universally like people were saying all kinds of crazy things. I mean, horrible things. Um, but towards the end, it sort of came full circle and people sort of realized, you know, the method to the madness, so to speak. And once, you know, people were pooping in our water, oh, I mean, everyone sort of abandoned ship. Of, anybody who liked the other team sort of abandoned ship and no, exactly. kind of came around in the end. So post show, the feedback has been incredible. I mean, overwhelmingly positive. But, uh, you know, it wasn't universally liked at all times by any means. And I, I wrote about each episode for this website called Reality Blurred. And I, I think that was a first, maybe two, I mean, for a cast member of a show to write about it as it was going on. That's awesome. Wrote about my thoughts and necessarily what you didn't see. And as appreciative of the producers, let me do that. And I loved writing anyway. It was almost like therapeutic. So it is nice to have like this conversation with you about kind of the stuff that people don't see. Like, what is it like sleeping in dirt? And what is it like only yeah. eating coconut? And, and there is a parallel, there is a parallel to Two seasons ago on Survivor, when it was the first ever evacuation in Fiji for the hurricane, we were out there at that time. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. And so we were, we were stuck in that same storm. So I was really interested to come back and watch that. But I kind of heard from some people on the production that Survivor's out here at the same time. I think they maybe even told us they also they had, they had to evacuate. And so I was really interested to, to watch that. I mean, because we were sitting in that torrential rain, you know, nothing like living in the tropics outdoors where it rains every day you probably have to like talk yourself through it in your head oh certainly but you know and an interesting aspect of our show was the fact that if you just make it 40 days you win it's almost like you you reach a certain point like four or five weeks in where you're like i'm pretty miserable i'm not really enjoying this but if i just sit out here and suffer for like five more days ten more days i'm getting paid like thousands of dollars a day just to do that so i might as well it does get easier. You get into a routine, and it's it's easy at a certain point. So I was actually at your um, reunion show. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I sat on the second row, actually, with Ty's family. Um, I had incredible seats. I just offered me two tickets. So it was really neat to see that. And got to meet a couple of the cast members after at the after party. And it turns out Sarah was a huge Stranded fan. She came up to me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I wanted to talk to you. And said she loved Stranded, so that was really enjoyable. But it was wild to see that as well. That was probably the coolest perk that came about just a random thing that occurred because someone saw me on the show. Now, would you would you ever play Survivor? And if you did, how would you play? Who are some players that you admire? It's okay if it's not me. I'm all good with that. <laughs> well, I definitely would play. I mean, I've always I've always wanted to, um, and always thought about what my strategy would be. And I I still think I would love to play it even more after having you know, sort of this other experience and to compare those experiences, I think would be really interesting. Totally. I think, I think your biggest problem, I'll be the host for a second. I'll ask you a question. I think your biggest problem was people think that you're too smart. People assume that you're going to get them off was my, was my hunch. 
I mean, I know that you just played a season with everyone that was really smart, but I feel like if you had almost not been as smart, you might have won. I think that people sort of held that against you and assumed, like, Aubrey will figure out sooner enough how to get me off. So I would definitely say that I've thought about it a lot, and I think that one of the biggest disadvantages, in a way, was the theme that we had going into Survivor 32, so brain, brawn, beauty. So I've talked about with other cast members how everyone was kind of trying to overcome a certain preconceived notion about how they were. Mm. So for me, I, I get a lot of feedback that I didn't have a great social game. And that drives me nuts a little bit because people will say, Aubrey didn't talk to Scott and Jason. Well, I came into the merge I had Neil Medevaced. I was definitely on the outside of the group because the brawn and beauty were working together. So what I had to do was create a different option for people that was not Scott and Jason. And in order to pull Sydney and Ty and those other people to show them there was another option, I had to make it clear I was not with those guys. Right. So people thought, you're this nerd. People didn't think I would have a social game because I was like the nerd. So in that way... I would say starting with Brain Brown Beauty and the like glasses and stuff didn't exactly help me. I guess maybe that's true. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought that that was the origin of it. Although I would say I have some mutual friends with Julia Sokolowski that was on that season. That's so funny. I actually talked to her about what Survivor was like, you know, to try to gain, garner any sort of um, tips before I went on uh, Stranded. And I feel like she was, everyone just assumed the opposite maybe of her. Exactly. It's really interesting. Maybe the, the branding of the show totally made a difference for you. I hadn't even thought of that. And it's not even like there is a theme and I know people are like, yeah, the themes don't mean anything. It's just for marketing. But in the case of Brain Brawn Beauty, like people really kind of stuck to the title they were supposed to have like if the brains they were driving me crazy Alex like Liz and Debbie <laughs> would talk about like this chemistry this mathematical equation this 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 and I'm like guys can't we just be like normal people and then the beauties were actually super just chill and I think the stigma maybe Julia or Michelle had is that people didn't think they were smart and that's so not true like you can be smart in so many different ways and everyone has blind spots and everyone has strengths and I don't think people thought I could be as scrappy as I was in challenges for instance or that yeah everybody just kind of has a stigma based on where you're placed and then some people would internalize that and so that definitely complicated things but it's all good. Were you terrified of being the first voted? Oh, off? I was so scared. Everybody's terrified of that. Wouldn't you be if you played? Oh my god, I'd be a nervous wreck. Once you get past the first one, at least you won't last. Exactly, and that's the thing that totally sinks my first season. Like, I think Darnell could be such a good player and such a great character. He's great. He's one of the people that I still talk to, and definitely in Game Changers, all these returning players are like, "Oh my god, please, please don't let me be first. And the the first vote is basically a scramble not to be first. But who who are your fa- how long have you watched the show? Who are your favorite players? I remember. I remember. I think when did you ever start? Was it like the thousand or something like that? My mom. I mean, of course that 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 puts me at like nine years old. Says we have to watch this show, and so I've watched it ever since. And I have not watched every season. I've lost like, I mean, I've watched most. I think I've lost like two or three seasons that for whatever reason I didn't I didn't watch. 
I have always liked the people that played smart. I mean, my answer is kind of stereotypical and boring. Like I've liked you, I've liked Cochran. I've liked the people that really looked at it analytically. I actually liked uh, Richard Hatch. I mean, not Richard, uh, Richard Hatch, not Richard Hatch. Um, Russell, Russell Hance. Sorry. I liked Russell Hance. I thought he was nuts. I think I would have hated playing with him. But entertaining to watch. <laughs> entertaining, yeah. I mean, he made good television. Maybe that's why I liked him. Like, I think Andrea is really smart. I've always enjoyed watching her. So I don't know how I'd play. I mean, there's the game throws so many curveballs at you, and I, maybe I'm smart enough to know that I should not come in with a preconceived notion of exactly how I want to play it. But yeah. you know, it throws you're always on your heels. So maybe you're in the tribe that doesn't go to tribal council for. 12 days and or maybe you're in the tribe that's there every time and it's going to definitely change your your strategy but i did listen to troy zan is also one of my favorites i mean i think he's just a nice smart guy i love him i love your podcast with him thank you but i have one to add about your alien discussion yes please tell me one one of the best things about like space or any sort of travel especially if you were traveling at like the speed of of light or sound you know, your body would expand. If you're traveling at the speed of light, your body would expand into like a physical presence that's not recognizable to your current body. You just can't go that fast. Okay. And I say that only to tell you and any listeners never to let anyone tell you that you're fat. Not that any of us are, and but you should just respond to people. I'm simply traveling too quickly. Hilarious. How do you know that little fact? Are you a space nut? <laughs> I'm not a space nut, but I'm just nerdy enough to know that, I guess. Your body expands. I mean, so quite frankly, you should just tell people, I'm not fat. I'm just traveling too quick. Oh, my gosh. I love that. It sounds like you'd be on the Brains tribe. You'd fit right in. Uh, uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, but those also, there's also some really smart people on there. So I don't want to get ahead of myself there. Anything else unique or funny that we wouldn't expect from you? I wasn't expecting that speed of light reference. <laughs> um, I've just always sort of been like, I've been talking ever since, you know, <laughs> I came out of the womb, like, and so that's why journalism was a natural fit for me. Broadcast was a natural fit. Like, my poor sister had all of the oxygen sucked out of every home video. You know, I don't, we don't really know what she talked about when, talked like when she was young, because she never got a word in. That's the same as my poor sister. (laughs) (laughs) So I, uh, you know, I just a pretty, I'm just a pretty normal guy. I just like, I like sort of the interpersonal aspect of, of these games. And that's why it's appealed to me. And I, I think relationships are, are interesting and you know even just like in regular life like I think about like hmm why did my relationship with that person not really go that well versus someone else who I might have thought I don't really have anything in common with that person but you become good friends with them or they become something that's really meaningful in your life that's just really interesting I've always been outward or extroverted and so I am willing to talk to people and make new friends but I also just you know think the analytical part of learning about relationships and things like that is really interesting. And so that's why I've always liked the games, I think. Well, Alex, if people want to follow you, are you on social media? Do you have a website? Can you fill us in on how people can learn more, how to get in touch, and maybe some Survivor fans can get hooked on Stranded? Yeah, I think that they would definitely like it. I mean, there are a lot of similar aspects, but it's a new game that, you know, it's just a new twist on things. So I'm Alex Apple underscore on Twitter because Alex Apple 7 is taken. Okay. I'm Alex Apple 7 on everything else. And my website is alexapple.org, um, where I post some of my new stories and different things that I'm working on, um, op-eds that I've written, what have you. So, yeah, alexapple.org. And then 
Alex Apple seven or underscore. And if you can't find me after that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I know. Do do a little research. People will find you. And you also, I was checking out some of your articles on Reality Blurred. Those are definitely super cool for Survivor fans who are really interested in the inner workings of these strategy games. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every episode I wrote about, and you know, I'm sure that if you watch the show, sometimes you'll think that I'm full of nonsense. But it was my perspective, and you know, I think that if nothing else, you'll find it interesting whether you agree with it or not. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll include that in the show notes, but. Thank you for sharing your experience and joining us. I really enjoyed kind of comparing and contrasting. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it as well. And and congrats on two seasons of Survivor, which um, is amazing. I don't know if you're going for the record of most days out there, but I can stand to watch it again. Maybe, Maybe I'll see you out there. Maybe you will. Maybe you will. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Odd with Aubrey. Catch you next week. 